Hello, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to the Desi Sportscast with Nevin and myself. It's really good to be back after a very prolonged international break, um, all down to me, and I apologize for that, but it's really good to uh, see Nevin after a while. Ha- Hello, Nevin, how are you, my friend? All good, all good. Uh, the ISL is back, there's a lot of football happening, and so can't complain. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say, you know, what a start to the ISL with all the goals, but uh, always have to start with, uh, does the shirt that you're wearing have any meaning at all? Because Absolutely. I don't know if people uh, read into uh, what you're wearing because you've got such a collection. Uh, today yeah. you've gone with the pink Real Madrid. I mean, absolutely no reason. Uh, I am a football match after this. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm on a team that's supposed to wear either red, orange or pink. So I just took the pink jersey out, that's all. And you're not staying in because there's a big game for the Blasters as well today. Yeah, I, I think the, I should be done with the football match before the Blasters kick off. So hopefully. And then I'll take that small gap in between to reach back home to prepare for Chelsea versus United as well. So jam-packed uh, Sunday. All right. Okay. Uh, well, it's a football day for you, and it's a football day for me because straight after the show, I'm off to the um, best stadium in the world, the King Power, uh, to welcome back the legend that is Claudio. Um, hopefully, he'll, well, I'm, he's guaranteed a fantastic welcome. But uh, as long as he doesn't take three points, that'll be good. <laughs> um, but uh, before we get into the football, and um, our regular viewer <laughs> is back as well. Uh, Shubnam, um, I, uh, Nevin, you are support, uh, sporting my team Madrid, a la Madrid. Oh. Time to see, see, this is a, see now, now you know the reason why I wore the pink <laughs> Shubnam, it's all because of you, my this friend. Is, yeah, this, this is, is for you, yeah. uh, our most loyal uh, viewer and listener and contributor. So it's good to have you as well, my friend. And like I said, um, you need to get in touch. We need to get you on the screen as well. Uh, so DM us. But uh, before we get into the football, it has been a while. Uh, you're one person that doesn't take a holiday or rest or take time off. Um, and you're always busy. And I know I've, uh, I'll follow, and follow you on social media. What have you been up to in the past uh, three weeks now? I think it is three, four weeks. Yeah, that's been, yeah. Uh, so many things as usual. Uh, not taking rest, but... Uh, um, I've registered a new organization called ARPO. It's sort of, uh, uh, ARPO is a Malayalam word for cheer. For cheer? And, yeah, like hooray or ARPO is something that you, you know, say out loud uh, during one of festival. It's just a very celebratory hooray sort of a thing. And this, this idea has been there in our minds, like a former colleague and I and another partner, three of us, we've been thinking about this, I think Malayalis especially, have this inane pride for this uh, state, okay? So we are like proud Marialis all the time. Quite right, uh, too. Yeah, so uh, we wanted to sort of tap into that sentiment and also tell the story because I think uh, generally when it comes to uh, schooling in India, we have that one national curriculum where everybody is reading about, you know, uh, with no disrespect, we need to know that, of course. Uh, it's more of a Delhi-centric history that we learn in our schools as well. So we wanted to create a platform where we talk about local history as well, you know, uh, stories from from places that we know for so long, but we still didn't know. So I come from a place called Edapalli in Kochi, and it's renowned for creating, you know, having a lot of poets. Uh, it's produced two of most uh, Malayalam literature's most famous poets. Um, there are very famous temples around, and I don't know the history, 
it's it's like I I mean I I barely know that they were born here. In fact, they were very they were born very close to where I live, and like nobody knows. So we wanted to like sort of uh, local history. That's what we wanted sort of and folklore because I think it doesn't exist uh, in India, especially it's sort of interwoven, right? History is also a lot of oral history, and oral history was will definitely have a lot of tales and things that didn't happen as well. And we want to value that because that story exists because it's trying to tell a story. So maybe it's a exaggerated version of what really happened, but it still gives you an idea of something happened. So we want to, you know, and we want to document a lot of these uh, dying practices like sorcery and, um, you know, little, little things, because I think uh, partly because of science and uh, everything, we sort of moving away from that era where we have a lot more of these blind beliefs and superstitions and stuff, but partly also because of uh, sort of mainstream ideas of religion. Because now there's one way to be a Hindu, one way to be a Christian, one way to be a Muslim, or whatever religion is. While our history sort of says that there are infinite ways of being all these religions and being all together at once. So we want to sort of highlight that. I think it's very important uh, considering the political scenario that is sort of taking over our country, the world, in fact, it's a very polarized world. Right? So we want to show that, you know, there's a lot of gray between the black and white. Uh, so it started off a channel like that. We made a couple of videos. That work is going on. Of course, sports is where, <laughs> where it matters for me. So um, I'm off to Calicut tomorrow. So there's a uh, women's national championship happening where all these states are going to uh, play. This Tamil Nadu is, I think, one of my favorite teams to look out for. And so that's like a two-week-long, not even two weeks, slightly less than two-week-long tournament. So hopefully I'll get to see some matches as well. I can't talk to the girls because they are in a bio bubble, but you are allowed to see the matches from what I heard. So that'll be fun. I'm also making a documentary on a on a coach that passed away. She was a revolutionary. Um, you know, broke out of the shackles and sort of mentored a lot of upcoming footballers. So she passed away early this year. So sort of doing like a remembering um, a series where we're going to talk to people she sort of influenced. So a lot of things in the kitty, of course. Sorry, uh, just but, but you need to tell about your vacation. You're the one who had a lot of fun in the last couple of weeks. I, I did have a lot of fun, yeah. But uh, it's a vacation, and um, yeah, I went to Dubai to see the cricket and see Dubai and what have you. So that was good. But the main thing was uh, I was back in the warmth. It was really, really hot, and I went home for when I say home to Gujarat for ten days, and it was really nice to see the family and the old sites. And it's funny you mentioned. Um, historical sites and um, uh, places that we uh, take for granted. And I went to our village and there's a fort there. It's been there, for, but nobody knows the history of that fort. Uh, it's still there. It's used as a sort of a, a primary school now, the uh, the courtyard and what have you. But nobody knows the history who built it, you know, uh, what's the story behind it. So it's fantastic that you're doing this. Um, in terms of Alpa, will it be in the local language or will you be doing bits uh, in... I think uh, we want to run it as an English plus Malayalam platform. So it will obviously have English subtitles, whatever we do. But I think the stories have to be told in the regional language itself. So whenever convenient, if the author is equally capable or equally comfortable with English, we would encourage English because we want to, you know, have a pan India audience for this. But we're sort of building a localized platform. So you can't sort of enforce a, a language barrier. And we don't want to do this uh, you know, 
trans i mean subtitle is good enough i think we don't want to put that voice over sort of yeah that takes it takes, you, like, takes it away yeah. um i was watching narcos but just and you want it in spanish don't you with the subtitles yeah, it yeah. just looks better so uh, i look forward to seeing that and uh, learning a, uh, a lot more about uh, your local area and your state and um the uh, the documentary around the um <coughs> the coast that passed away was she from kerala or was she from tamil Nadu? yeah or? she is from uh, calicut okay her name is Fausia Mampata. fantastic uh, brilliant yeah, so you're going to bring her story to life yeah that'll be yes, good hopefully i've talked to uh, people in her school like she used to teach in a school so her colleagues are willing to talk but i want to probably get some access to her family also because it wouldn't have been easy for her to do what she did so if if our siblings can talk, if our cousins can talk, that'll be that'll be great as well. So. Brilliant. And just to clarify, uh, will it be on Kalpant or will it be on Arpo? It'll be on Kalpant. It'll be on, it'll be on Kalpant. Fantastic. Really look forward to uh, seeing that because your documentaries are absolutely fantastic. Um, people want more. I want more. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll see those soon. And please share when you do upload it. Absolutely. Um, in terms of. Um, I don't know if you've been to Dubai, uh, but it is a bit of a like um, a Walt Disney, Disney World sort of place where, you know, I've it's, been to Dubai, actually, it's, it's a crazy time. place, um, uh, but it's a nice place, beautiful place, good people. And um, yeah, I have, I have fond memories. It, for me, it was like an outer world experience. It was just some consumer heaven where like hundred percent like supermarkets, supermarkets are like a, a side to <laughs> you know just enjoy and like there's like things uh, half of it is automated and as a as a malayali we have a significant population in the middle east so yeah, you could talk yeah. in malayalam as well so it's like this dreamland where like i don't identify with anything here but i can still talk in my language so you know completely uh, i'm so glad i did it in 2019 because then the world sort of stopped afterwards so yeah it was like my last big sort of a vacation and it, it really gave me an escape because it was nothing that I can relate to. It was a, it was a world of splurge and completely. And, in terms of, and I think in terms of food, I think it's a very, I mean, I've not traveled the world to know this, but I could like, I mean, from my very amateur experience, I thought all sort of cultures sort of came here in Dubai. And hence the, uh, the opportunity to eat for me, that was my one of the, you know, primary interest for me. Uh, good Italian or you know good Arabian you could get everything there and so yeah I had a lot of fun in Dubai yeah, I think one of our guides said that it's got the most nationalities in any sort of city, state or country, um, close to 200. And yeah, the food was fantastic, no matter which uh, cuisine you have. Uh, yeah. but the I remember thing... walking around the marina and such a, such a, you know, for me, it's, it's like some, if you give humans money and, uh, you know, you know, a dream, shopping city i think that's that's a sort of idea that i have about Dubai. there's nothing there but shopping and uh, these incredible buildings structures yeah, they're put in place um it, it is quite amazing like you say if you've got money look at dubai what they're building and what they're having <laughs> uh but the other thing good to see was um like i said there was about i think he said over 200 different nationalities that live together but how well they live together uh there's no issues about anything you know and um Everyone is respected as long as you stick to the law, which is fine, which is fair. Uh, so that was good to see. Uh, I was amazed by the fact that when I was standing by the road, there were cars stopping and asking us to cross the road first. I was like, wait, this doesn't happen in my 
but the other thing I was, you, you mentioned that you went to uh, Dubai and a lot of people from South India there, so you felt like home. But um, a, a strange feeling when I went back to Gujarat, it was like when I landed at airport. It is it's hard to explain to English people that uh, you're surrounded by your own, as it were, people who speak to the same language, eat the same food. You know, it's mm -hmm. everybody, no matter who you talk to. It's 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 a weird feeling if you when you go uh, when you live abroad, then you go back home. And it's one of those hard, hard to explain. But anyway, let's get back to, uh, we've caught up as to what we've been doing. Um, disappointing in the World Cup cricket, obviously. By the time I got there, we we're pretty much out anyway. We'd lost to Pakistan and New Zealand. But it was a good experience watching the games in that fantastic stadium, uh, surrounded by pretty much, well, it was all Indian supporters. So that was a good experience. Uh, but let's get back to uh, the topic that we're here to talk about, well, what people are here to listen from you. And what a start from the ISL. Goals, goals, goals. I wasn't expecting such a start in terms of, I think there's only been three games where less less than three goals haven't it's been, been scored. Goal and, and a couple of strange results as well. How has the first week been for you? I think if Rohan is listening, I think I'm, I'm the happiest for Rohan right now. So I well, think he, I'm sure I'm sure he's jumping around if, in if, fancy sneakers. <laughs> if Rohan is listening, before you carry on, uh, can you send um, a Orisha shirt to me and Nevin? I'll pay for both of them. I tried in <laughs> India, but you just can't get them, and even online yeah. at the moment they're hard to get. So there's a shout out. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely brilliant start to the week. You were saying. Yeah. And uh, and I think uh, sort of shows that uh, this is going to be a very competitive ISL. There's no there's already no, after the first week. Yeah, yeah. FC Goa has not had it easy, and it's not like they can just switch on and tomorrow produce world class football. So they're going to take some time to recover. Bangalore seems very leaky in the defense, so that's going to be a trouble. Uh, Kerala Blasters is all over the place, uh, so they're not going to have it easy. I thought East Bengal were pretty organized in the first match, but then ATK said, hello. Five minutes, so game over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just sort of uh, went berserk in that five minutes and sort of ensured that that's, that's game over there. And so, you know, a team like in Odisha, Jamshedpur, Chennai, they will all be licking their lips thinking, okay, maybe the big four is no longer the big four anymore. We've got a proper shot. Mumbai lost yesterday. So I was really Hyderabad, surprised. Hyderabad was really good as well. Yeah. It's not yeah. like uh, you know, they capitalize on blunders. It was a team being outplayed. So um, clearly this is gonna be a very uh, very closely fought tournament. And uh, I think barring ATK Mohan Bagan, everybody else seems to be like, you know, they've not reached that potential yet. I thought Mumbai in the first game showed glimpses. But this is a problem with Mumbai and Lobera's team, I think. Now, no longer Lobera. But, like, I think the, the fact that somebody like a Jahu decides the tempo is that Jahu is getting older as well. So, I don't think that ball movement is happening as fast, fast as it should. And when you have a team like Hyderabad running at them and pressing everything, you could see, you know, Fall getting a pass and he passes to a central defender or partner. And then it takes ages to reach, and by then the, there are like three Hyderabad players pressing, and that sort of didn't allow them to, you know. I, I think um, you know, Jahu, Mumbai need to understand that there's no team out there going to give them that space to do their thing. So they'll have to uh, work around. And I think this is some another point that I raised yesterday. I thought the pitch wasn't helping. 
I I didn't think it was helping in the first match between FC Goa and Mumbai. It was very um, it was awkward to watch because two ball moving or like a possession based teams struggling to string together a lot of passes because the pitch sort of slowed down the the weight of the pass. The weight of the pass was all over. Like you couldn't I you could see the players struggle. They didn't know what was the weight that was required for the ball to reach at the right pace. So. Um, I don't think that's helping, and they they have to play in the same ground. There's no other way out. They're going to be, you know, playing in Patota. So that's what's going to work against uh, Mumbai. I feel this is just from my observation on TV, of course. You know, I mean, I'm sure players and coaches can see it directly, and maybe there are things that we don't understand. But um, if that's the case, Mumbai should look at the aerial route because if the passes are not going the way it should, you know, somebody like a Jahu who's got great delivery as well. It's not like he needs to. Do. Keep threading the ball, you know. Take the aerial route. Have like a couple of options. And I think we discussed this last time around. I know Farooq is injured and no, no longer available. But the fact that they let go of Farooq and uh, thought that Bipin was the future. But I think those guys are still yet to click. Uh, you know, Bipin had a fantastic season last time around with Mumbai, but this time around seems a little, um, you know, jittery. And so. Mumbai seems a little toothless in attack, strange, strangely. So, is that, that, that means again, with Mumbai? Sorry to interrupt. Is that a reflection of the new coach still betting in? Could be, could be. Um, he's completely think, uh, new to the league. He's completely yeah, new to all the players. But he didn't have it so difficult in the first match. So everybody thought he's going to just, you know, transition very smoothly. But I don't know if that's I, too... I, I think we need to pay respect to the fact that Hyderabad is a very good side. So. I think that's also there. I think it was a young side and they are not afraid to uh, run that extra mile and that really showed yesterday. So, I don't know. My early season favourites were ATK and Mumbai, of course. I think due to pedigree and what they did last season as well. But I think ATK seems really good. And just coming back to ATK, I love the fact that Habas has shown that, um, that ability to tweak the system. He's gone away from that three-man back and, you know, defensive resolute system to a 4-3-3, which is so pleasant. I don't even think it's 4-3-3 because I think Lenny sits back and everybody else attacks. So but with ATK, yeah, it helps yeah. when you got somebody like Roy Krishna who doesn't switch off. Exactly. He, he just turns exactly. up and scores goals. So imagine there's a team uh, where there are four very good defenders. Uh, there's Lenny, who's a season pro at, uh, you know, thwarting any sort of attack. And then you have Roy Krishna, you have Manveer, who's in form. You have Liston, who is, you know, he is uh, one man with great abilities. I think he's still not reached his potential yet. And then you have uh, multiple options from David Williams to, uh, what is the name, Kokko, that the, uh, I, I can't remember his name. But like, so they have multiple options there to... And all of them are just going for it. They're not stopping. They're just getting the ball and they're running it cold. They're not like, you know, making sidewise passes. There's no tiki-taka happening. They'll get the ball, attack. And suddenly, ATK Mohan Pagan are a fantastic team to watch from the boring Habas uh, in last in last time around. And you could see this in the AFC matches. I know mm. they got like outperformed, but you could see the tactical shift. Um, and of course, Bumu. I mean, how, how, how can we forget the fact that Bumu is also there? So it's it's an unbelievably talented side, and if they can hold on to their defensive shape, I think three four goals are going to come every every match. So it's well, you, fun to watch it. It is fun, but I suppose with a pinch of salt in the sense that they had um, 
the Blasters and East Bengal is their first two games. So we'll see when they come yeah. up against um, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, in the um, next few games. But uh, yeah, absolutely. but you mentioned Bumu there and also Amrinda. You know, the surprise that uh, Mumbai, I nearly called them Man City, I suppose I should. Mumbai let them go to their arch rivals. Yeah, Mumbai has been making a few bizarre decisions, I think, including what we said earlier with Farooq being let go for Jackie back then. Um, so there, there are a bizarre decision, and, and, and I must uh, stress on the fact that Mumbai doesn't have the same squad depth. So a couple of uh, injuries here and there could really hamper their season. So I don't know what they were thinking. They sort of went, uh, did they think of some budget cut something? But when you have the resources like a city group, they shouldn't be thinking that. They should be like, you know, buy all the good players and sort of uh, get that uh, get that title. But, uh, but just finishing. But good for good for the league, I guess. So yeah, it's, as, it's, as, I suppose. But uh, like like you say, I think these two will be there. Um, yeah. Definitely in the playoffs. Then you never know what happens in the playoffs. Uh, but as reigning champions, Mumbai City um, was <coughs> very surprising the way they lost to Hyderabad. But fair play to Hyderabad. You know, like you said, they played really well. Uh, but I was going to come to this, and Shubnam actually mentioned it. The derby was disappointing. Um, East Bengal are just not well. Firstly, are you m- missing Robbie? <laughs> of course. I think um, I'm sure Shubhnam also remember the fact that I think we used to dedicate 15 minutes every episode. He used to give us good airtime <laughs> because of the things he got up to. So we're going to have yeah. to fill that. But um, it didn't feel like a derby. And I was hoping, I mean, we were hoping to have Akash, who lives in Kolkata here, join us to tell us what the uh, mood was like yesterday in that beautiful city. Uh, but it just doesn't feel... Like, you know, they build it up I as a Kolkata derby. There's just so many things. The first reason being it's ISL. It's a very, it's not a people's league. However, you want to reinvent this product. It's a close league. There's no relegation. There's no promotion. People's, you know, there's, there's nothing to do. Like, there's no desirability to it. You know, there's just like you, you win or lose, you're there. And so that that is sort of taken away the charm. You can't have politics. Uh, they won't allow banners. And these clubs have stood for the land for so many years. And there is obviously the ATK Mohan Bagan protests happening. So the the fans themselves, the Mohan Bagan fans themselves, don't associate with the club. And I think um, one one I saw a tweet the other day. I think uh, half of East Bengal supporters also came from the fact that they could you know have a ticket Mohan Bagan. Or it was a to and fro, right? So when one side doesn't exist. The EB fans are also like, hey, now what do we do? We have nobody to fight with, you know. It's just, just, but uh, it, it is sad because this is, let's face it, and hopefully I'm not exaggerating, one of the greatest derbies in the world. Uh, people have witnessed it, have said that. And, you know, it just doesn't feel like it. And I think the ISL is, I mean, it, like I said, the coverage tries to build it up, big it up. But without the passion of the crowds, without the involvement of, like you said, the banners and whatever surrounds that derby, it just doesn't feel like it. And It doesn't belong in the ISL. I'm sorry. It, I think it probably is much better in the Calcutta League. By the way, you need to say um, a shout out to one of your uh, cats that's just uh, come into shot. Who, who, who's, who's making a oh, guest well, appearance? Oh, I don't know. This is Kani. Oh, hello. He's, he's, he's coming to uh, join the show, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a silent cat. There is one underneath my leg as well. They don't yeah, leave you alone. Been, yeah, so. 
I'm telling you, you need to start a Twitter page or Instagram account for them <laughs> because people do ask. But just going back to the derby, I mean, especially when one side is one-sided and has been since uh, East Bengal joined, um, ISL could have a detrimental impact on this derby. Or do you think when the crowds are back, um, it'll just ca uh, carry on from where it left off back in the day? I don't think the. I mean, I know I'm. I'm not the right person to talk about it, and I think somebody should from Kolkata should ideally be, you know, explain it. But my personal view is that it'll never be the same because you've jumped into a league that is no longer a people's league. This, these clubs stood for something, and that is gone. The moment you signed the contract, you sort of, uh, for the lack of a better word, like sold the soul. part of your soul. So, yeah. yeah. So that's never going to come back. As a footballing. Uh, you know, a match, I think it will be great. But you see, today's um, match between Kerala Blasters and Bangalore FC is likely to get more audience for sure. And it is by the fact that this is a this is a naturally um, grown rivalry. So Kerala Blasters came into the ISL. This is an ISL team, mm. and the Bangalore rivalry came. And there's also a lot of history with a lot of Malayalis in Bangalore. So. Half of these Bangalore FC supporters are also Malayali. So there's like, there's actual, you know, animosity and there's um, a lot of those things happening. It's a naturally, um, I, I don't think I should call it a derby considering it's like an overnight journey <laughs> to Bangalore. But it's a natural rivalry at least. And hence, uh, I don't think ISL needs to manufacture crazy ads or, you know, spend marketing money trying to, you know, push this event. Whenever this match is going to happen, people will turn up. And I think this is not the case for ATK Mohan Bagan because, you know, these are fans who love that club for ages and yeah. called it Mohan Bagan. It's yeah. not an ATK Mohan Bagan. They don't, they don't think it's the same side. So, uh, yeah, uh, but I think we should definitely dedicate an episode for this and we should get a lot more of um, Calcutta fans to come here and talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. And we know how passionate that they can get. So we'll have to um, uh, try and put that together because it will be good to see what their feelings are about supporting these clubs now. Um, but just um, in the fact that this derby took place in Goa again, uh, behind closed doors and the fact that in cricket the crowds are being allowed in has there been any um, people raising voices as to why the ISL took the decision uh, that they did in terms of closed yeah. door in Goa including including team owners asking these questions but welcome welcome to India where you don't need to answer the people you know we can just take a decision and just uh, stick by it a lot of people are saying it's to keep the players safe fair enough but then why don't you want your cricketers safe? Why don't you want those, you know, 40,000, 50,000 who turned up in cricket matches safe? Yeah. Like everybody's safe, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a little questionable, but I've, I've reached a point where none of these things surprise me anymore. So I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, if you really were to dig deep, I'm sure the bio bubble is also not as secure as they claim it to be. I've heard multiple stories from the last season. So who knows what is happening? Okay. I don't want to make any bold claims but there are leaks and and these are things these are bound to happen when a lot of people think okay if cricket can do it why can't i do it you know yeah. why, why do i have to stay away from my family for four or five months when cricketers can do whatever they want so all these things are it's a very human thing to do i don't necessarily want to put a blame on anyone else yeah last year i couldn't understand it um and it was yeah, the right decision but this year you know whether yes i mean let's not talk about the new variant that um that's coming out uh, that we had a 
a speaker, uh, uh, the prime minister came here and did a broadcast around the new variant, some new restrictions coming in place. But uh, I think India, is, <coughs> excuse me, is in a different place to last year, and they could have made the bubble work with crowds. Uh, like I said, crowds are limited back crowds up. maybe, or like even the bio bubbles can be. I'm sure safe safe practices are definitely going to be you know uh, a norm I think forever in our yeah. lives. Yeah. So you know keep distance, maybe not allow fans in the hotels and things like that for sure. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a people sport, right? So you how long can you keep people away from it? And I think humans also we also deserve it, right? If I can go to a church and attend a mass with you know 200 people inside a small space, fans make the sport. End of the yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, this sanitized version, yeah, while, like like we both agree, last year was necessary, but this year I think it, it does make sense. Um, but um, just go, going back to one of the standout games, and you mentioned it, uh, that was a big statement from Orisha, and I think this is sort of a legacy of what Rohan was telling us when he spoke about building a foundation. I know it's only one game, it's early, but the performance was there. And it was a big statement um, uh, beating BFC comfortably, in a way, uh, with the young players they've got. And the manager that, well, I've only heard him speak a couple of times, but it comes across really well. Yeah. Um, I thought, I mean, we, we, we heard from Rohan himself uh, the, before last season. And the agenda for the team was always right. He, he knew the Indian setup. He was very clear that he wanted to promote a lot of Indians as well. He was, he, I mean, Rohan is stuck by his words in terms of uh, giving opportunities to youngsters. And you see somebody like a Jerry, somebody like a Vineet, somebody like a Nanda, all of them feel really part of that system. So these are not players that have been changing clubs forever. They've been there for two seasons, three seasons. They, they connect. And the connection has only been possible because I'm sure there's been interest for somebody like Vineet or yeah. um, all these. Uh, they've, they've stuck by. So mm. there is some guarantee that's gone in from the management saying, we care about you guys. We will do what is necessary. And they sort of, so this is this is the culture of football club that we sort of want to uh, bring up. I, I, know, uh, I know there's been a lot of, uh, you know, Delhi Dynamos fans upset with the fact that, you know, the, the franchise has moved around. And of course, the fans have definitely their rights to be upset. But... You can see what they were trying to do. At least uh, in that way, we can sort of forgive that. You know, they've they've uh, clearly established there. They've you know, you know, built an academy. They've they've got uh, other foundations plans as well. So it, it's it's coming into shape, and uh, hopefully we'll have more clubs looking in this direction. Yeah, and the experience that uh, Rohan has brought in with the director of football, uh, a lot of experience here in the UK. Um, he's bringing that professionalism in. And um, it seems at the moment, I know it's only one game, like I said, but uh, it was a very, very well, good statement. Uh, but just on the back it's of not that... not an easy thing to defeat, right? It's a no, absolutely. And I think that's... Uh, when I was watching, I, I could only catch the highlights. I think that's probably the first time they have beaten yeah. BFC yeah. and even scored against BFC more than one goal. So a big statement. And uh, like you said, that's and our good team. good goals too. It was not even like... Yeah, good. yeah. Really good but just on the back of that, Tribunum says... Um, Let's be real, guys. BFC is disappointing and they're not making the uh, top four. Uh, they are so bad to watch. Are they turning it's, into uh, turning into a bit of an ATK? They're turning into a bit of a Kerala blasters, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. We'll see today. We'll see yeah, today. If, if, if I think it'll be very, 
um, interesting match today because I think this is the first time the the quality difference isn't that strong between Canada Blasters and Bangalore FC. Uh, Shubham, the only reason why I sort of keep saying Bangalore FC is that they they know to win. They've been around, and I think that DNA is very hard to hard to you know get rid of in some sense. So, I think the thing is, their owner is a winner. Yeah, the owner is a winner, and they they uh, see. At the end of the day, if you look at it as a marketing product as well, if I am putting a lot of money, I want coverage. That's the only thing you can get from Indian football these days. There's no profits to be earned. So if you look this is look at the football team as an ad, as an opportunity for a lot of people to see JSW on their t-shirts, that's that's visibility, right? So that visibility can only come through success. And you know, somebody like a JSW, like big business they will know to make the best out of their money and to get the best out of their money they need to be successful so that's the advantage over say somebody like a uh, you know some a team like a kerala blasters because the kerala blasters owners are not on their teacher mm. so so there is uh, this is a proper business there's a vested interest and, isn't it yeah exactly. that they need so, they need to see that team in the playoffs and um, so performing well because it's it's their money and that's literally the only thing out there. There's no profit to be made. The visibility is the only thing out there to be made. So that is why I keep thinking that, you know, when they see something happening, they will try to change things around. They bring a new coach, maybe they bring a new player, maybe. But that this is a season of transition from BFC. So I agree where Shubham is coming from. But they've managed to get rid of a lot of dead legs as well. So. Mm. I don't think BK is anymore the BK that used to be. I, um, Cabra has been having a shocker at Kerala Blasters. So they've managed to get rid of uh, you know a lot of these older players. Um, and uh, you will see the likes of Leon Agustin. He's injured right now. But these are young talent. So I think there is uh, still... Uh, see, I thought uh, BFC played really well in Durant Cup. Mm-hmm. When they trusted the youngsters. So that means the young youngsters are there. So... Hopefully, they'll think of this season as, okay, maybe we should just put a few more there and sort of experiment. And considering how the season is going, I think, say, maybe six or seven wins in the season might be good enough to get you a playoff spot. Mm. Because I think any team can defeat the other. So, you never know. They might, uh, you know, get into that fourth place. (coughs) Again, Shubnam agrees with you. BFC do well, but they don't have an attacking midfielder. And also, Odanta should be dropped. Big statement there um, regarding Zanta. Um, Especially with the Eagles team giving him more. Ex- exactly, exactly. Uh, but we'll see. Um, one change I just want to take your views on um, is uh, there's now seven Indian players on the field now. Um, a good positive change, and hopefully we'll see um, a lot more younger people being given that chance. See, I think it goes back to the original point that you raised about. Uh, um, goals being scored, I think here is the biggest reason. So now a lot of these teams don't have a centre back pairing of two foreigners, mm-hmm. and now you see Indian midfielders are uh, you know entrusted with this uh, duty to carry the ball. Before they would pass to a foreigner and mm-hmm. let yeah. that person you know be out of the tricky situation and then release. We saw now that in the national team. Several. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's it's good, but before it gets good, it'll get ugly. Yeah, the Indians will get exposed. Our, you know, lack of ability on the ball and things will get exposed, and that is what is getting exposed right now. I think a lot of these blunders leading to goals and stuff like that. But the only way out is to wait, you know, play your way out. So 
you see that teams will see that okay this player is not good enough i need to train that fellow or i need to find a you know 18 year old who is brave enough to do it because this 25 year old is you know or 31 year old is not willing to learn i will trust an 18 year old to do this job so you will see those radical changes happening this season towards the second half initially the the elder pros will be given the opportunity but in the second half you will see the braver indians the, the youngers once uh, you know stepping out and uh, well, maybe that under 17 batch and you know those those players are i think yeah. likely to make an impact hopefully we'll see a couple of indian strikers getting into double digits um might be wishful yeah. thinking but what a goal from manveer yesterday uh, brilliant manveer goal manveer and liston seems to be in the mood they've been scoring yeah. goals and uh, i i am i'm not seeing ishan pandita but hopefully we will start i think the change from goa might help him as well You'll probably yeah. get more game time uh, as well, so we'll see how he performs. Let's move to our, um, our women's team, who are our hopes and I uh, think um, they've got a much, much better chance of making an impact on the world stage. Uh, what a game, what a dream game against Brazil, in Brazil as well. I mean, the result wasn't what we, well, probably we expected in a way, uh, but they were doing well till um, halftime. I think it was only 2-1 two, two, or something like that. Two, one, two, one, but incredible exposure. Uh, for them to be go out, and I think they deserve that as well. Yeah, it's high time. I think we've all been saying this forever. And you know, with the, the Indian women's football team, they don't even play ugly football. They no. play beautiful football. Yeah. They want to keep the ball. They want to make those <coughs> runs. I think, barring a couple of players here and there, I think they're very comfortable on the ball and uh, very confident team. I really like. Uh, I know I didn't wake up for the match, unfortunately, the Brazil match, but I sort of try to collect as much uh, videos as possible. And I've been like, otherwise following these girls and exceptions footballers and a lot of them are very young. So yeah. you have another 10 years, 15 years out of these uh, footballers. So if you can really tap into it, I think, uh, which is why I think the national championships are very interesting. I think we'll see a lot of players because there is suddenly that spark of interest. And I have to thank social media and a lot of people for keeping on pushing the federation to, you know, show broadcast these matches, uh, push them to uh, more opportunities, give them, get them jobs, get them rewards. I think I need to shout out to Jenny and Co. who've been, you know, from day one, she's been uh, so loud uh, about uh, Tamil Nadu football that they're getting a reward re uh, for their previous success. So I think, th I think the, the, the invitus is there. I think the, the interest is there definitely for... And, and uh, the results. I mean, when they and went the to the result. Gulf, exactly. um, they beat all the teams uh, in the Gulf. I think they played Bahrain, Taipei, who who are in their group in the AFC Cup. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who else they beat, but they were beating teams with rankings slightly higher than and Tunisia, even, I think it was. Get, uh, even if you look at Manisha's goal um, against Brazil, yeah. that is a confident goal. I, I, don't, I can't think of a men's equivalent white player who's going to take it on. And they had a chance straight up. After as well uh, to take the yeah. lead 2-1 as well, uh, but uh, and it, you see, uh, it, it's not just the goal; it's about how uh, the header that led to the, the so the the knockdown was perfect, so she could run onto the ball. So yeah. it's a good counter it's Actually, good football. Yeah, it's yeah, good yeah. Football, so. They knew what they were doing, and it was good to yeah. watch. Like you say, it's good to watch. And my only concern, because it's the federation, uh, we know why they're doing all these exposure tours because of the AFC Cup in India in January. It's what happens afterwards because the group we're in with Taipei, China and Iran, we should be in the top two. I think the top two move to the next stage. 
So you think we should get, I mean, Taipei will be, I know we beat them recently in the friendly in um, the UAE, but I think we should, or Oman, wherever the friendly was. But we should be able to get through to the next stage. But it's but the big... But these are the girls who are also not being given proper uh, stipend and food during the lockdown last year. That people had to raise the voice that, you know, minus everything we got. Because they were also transitioning into a different age group. So a lot of them were worried the chances will go. So a lot of things happening that way as well. So India's policy of picking 20 people to run a revolution will never work. That's that's not a solution. You know, mm. I know the under 17 project also. The that kids who got selected, they were so pampered. They, they got all the facilities in the world, great opportunities, uh, slingshot, you know, somebody like a Viraj had to you know, just immediately made it to the national team where somebody like a Vishal Ket has been, I think, personally been uh, overperforming. I mean, performing way better than Deeraj um, in the in the stages. But like, I'm, I'm not saying Deeraj is a bad keeper, but mm. that opportunity was given to them. They're under 17. There's this natural push to promote them very fast. Um, but uh, so India must understand this. We need 500 good footballers to reach somewhere. It mm. never works with like 20 good. That's why, you know, like I say, we know why they're getting the exposure because the tournament's here. I just want the Federation to come out and say, look, on the back of this, we're setting up a proper league, proper structures for the Indian women's team. Because and I think, uh, just to cut you there, just, I think everybody's just saying, just give them the basic at least. Mm. Nobody's saying give them, you know, great uh, you know, exposure to her and, you know, German coach and Spanish, uh, you know, physical trainer. No, everybody is saying, Give them a league which is at least three months long. Give them jobs that they don't have to be, you know, part-timers. They, they, they can concentrate on football and have like structure to the league. So it's not just... I mean, how good was it to see Gokulam in the uh, Continental Cup? The Champions League they were playing in Jordan? Yeah. Uh, they didn't have the best, I think. But that's what you need. Yeah, that's what they need. And, uh, and the thing with Gokulam, you can't blame them also. But it's just that it's a team that is sort of made for a tournament, right? And then they go their separate ways. And you can't blame Gokul <coughs> because they can't keep... There's no structure to yeah. keep them on board for like 10 months. Yeah. They also have to look at their profits. They're a private organization. So there's no blame attached per se. But unfortunately, we need a setup where like teams will keep these players for at least 6 months. I'm not even saying yeah. you know, push, push it to 10 or 12 or whatever. At least 6 months, they have like active football to look out. If, if the league is such a big barrier for you, have at least two, three other tournaments with, you know, 11, 10 uh, teams or something. Just have some. It's not that difficult to work it out. I'm yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> a lot of things is basic common sense. But sometimes, apparently, when you uh, become a, a member of the federation, sometimes, I don't know if it's a prerequisite, if it's one of those things that you don't need to be in the federation or something like that. But uh, it's so simple. Well, it's basic, like you say, and uh, I think even the league could be made to work. Uh, follow the comedy rule, have different areas where the g games are played, uh, spread the uh, popularity of the women's football. But what do we know? What do we know? Yeah. But it's good to see them playing Brazil, and that was an iconic game and uh, fantastic for the players as well. Um, I think they've got uh, Chile today and then Venezuela, so um, good build up for the AFC. And obviously, we'll be talking about the AFC in January. Uh, just moving to Europe now, um, and uh, Ole is no longer at the wheel. Um, surprising yeah. it took that long? Or as a yeah. Chelsea fan, you were hoping that he'd still be at the wheel? Yeah, I mean, He has a great uh, you know, record against Chelsea, though. So 
that <laughs> that aside but i was really hoping that he'd stay simply because the fans were so annoying that's that's my biggest reason because when we kept saying that you know maybe united required a, a better tactical fight ever was like oh no oles are you know heart and soul and because the biggest question is he's been at man united but i can't see him i can't see another premier league club wanting ole as their manager exactly that's right. the that's the and test isn't it if you're a good coach good manager there'll be clubs queuing up <coughs> in fact i think there are clubs at least interested in lampard but i don't yeah. think anybody is going to be interested in ole it's just uh, it's bizarre and then they went like and then they went the bizarre the rest route of you know like him himself talking on camera after he was sacked I was like, "What is this drama that you're playing out? You know, just move forward." And then the fans got like, "Wow, Ole is our, you know, brother." And Legend. the next day, um, a new coach is announced, and they're like, "Wow, this is the tactical mastermind that we wanted." We're like, you, "You could have hired him way earlier, right?" Like everybody was saying the same thing that you needed somebody, and now everybody is like, "You know, we've got the new Pialsa." I was gonna say, I mean, I mean, what? How Ralph. can you change your? Ralph Ragnar, I've not heard of. I'll be honest with you until this week. Exactly. I mean, he's been there, but whenever big jobs or big clubs are looking for managers, you don't see his name mentioned. Exactly. He's at Spartak Moscow as a sporting director for a reason. He had a couple of good seasons at RP Leipzig, and all of a sudden, he's this wonderful tactician who's brought a string of coaches. Uh, along uh, that they keep mentioning, you know, the German coaches uh, uh, I, influence. I've just, seen, I just read so much about him in the last two. Days. Why the big hype? I mean, see, the hype is probably there because he's a tactical mastermind and he sort of, you know, created the vegan dressing. And but he still took a clock to really execute it for you, right? It, it's not. He no, but if you look at his track record, his history, I think he's won the German Cup maybe once or twice, and the German Super Cup. So the the logic being that he took teams from a very low state to that is that where United are? I don't know. So I'm <laughs> so I'm also like you know I I'm not making any comments on social media or anything, but I'm like eagerly waiting. Hmm, seems very interesting. It, it just it's not like yeah. It just like, seems really strange because even I mean they're going for an interim manager. And then they're going to get the proper. What if the interim manager wins them? I don't know. Let's exaggerate the Champions League. Does he go, or do they do what they did with Oli? Oli was an interim manager. Then they gave him a contract. But I think it's a very interesting what Klopp said yesterday or day before yesterday in his press conference. I think he's going to set. He's going to organize your. I think that's that is going to be very important because right now there's no organization at all in United. It's just get the ball. Give it to Bruno. If Bruno can, you know, find some space, then some player. So I think that's going to change. They'll probably structure a little differently and stuff like that. And he is so-called master of uh, pressing. So uh, it'll well, be interesting to see how the, the team starts pressing and all that. But well, this was the I, this was the question that was asked. That he's into this pressing game. But if you look at the United front three, they don't press. Ronaldo, uh, Fernandez, they're not into that sort. Of, that's not their game. I think the only person who's going to be really excited is Van der Beek. I think he's going to get a chance yeah, now because he's yeah. that hardworking midfielder, most probably. And Fred. <laughs> and Fred, maybe, yeah. Uh, so. But when you, when you look at these top three players, I mean, it was so highlighted uh, for PSG um, in their game against Man City. I mean, Mbappe, uh, Neymar, Messi, they don't press. And they were just totally 
overrun in the Man City could get out really freely. So you can have all these big stars, and Pochettino likes a pressing game, but he can't make these world class players play to the way he wants them to play. I think the only manager who can work this out is Ancelotti. I think he's the only person who, like, if he has stars, he'd be like, okay, you be the star. I will somehow tweak the system to <laughs> just, uh, uh, you know, suit your um, ego. I know it's not happening for Eden Hazard there, but uh, um, I think he's, uh, I, I personally feel um, United should have hired somebody like that, who's a little, you know, well-respected, who can manage egos, because at the end of the day, if you look at, at least on, in terms of caliber, Pogba is a very important player for United. Bruno is a very important player. So, how do you figure a system to, you know, work these people around? So, I think for United, a, a, a more man-manager was important than a system manager. But, let's see. The, the fans are all excited. So, I'm going to just like wait and see. Well, it's not the fans. I, I just don't get the hype. I don't get the hype about this guy. Uh, but and, we'll and see. mind you, I had heard a lot of, about Bielsa. But, not this fellow. I mean, I, I was in fact surprised that oh, he's like the mastermind of Keegan pressing, and because we've heard Keegan pressing all, all our in the especially since Klopp moved to Premier League, we've been hearing it all the time. What, what do you think? I mean, this is a, just a question on the, on the back of that. Do you play the formation suited to your players, or do you make the players play to the formation that you think that works, or the game that works? I mean, this is a classic example that he's that sort of coach that likes to press from the top, uh, but he hasn't got those players. So, do we give him time to change those players? I don't think those players will change. I, uh, I know, but I think, uh, see, if I were a manager, I don't think it's going to ever happen. Um, it's just that I'm sure I will know how a system, one particular formation really works. So, uh, you see Antonio Conte do it, right? The moment he's at a club, he'll immediately switch to a 3-4-3 because he knows the ins and outs of 3-4-3. It's something that's super comfortable with him. Or like a three-five-two or a three, whatever that three-man back mm. sort of setup. So I think that's generally how I feel about it as well. So I know a, a thing that really will work. So if I were to go somewhere, I'll try to execute that. If it's, I if it's like not working at all, then obviously either I have to quit or you know or figure out some way. But that is my second choice, I guess. I think first choice would be to execute a system that I'm comfortable. Um, and uh, see, because I think when Conte reached Chelsea, I think he tried a 4-3-3 or whatever with the players that Chelsea, that system that Chelsea was already playing. Mm. And uh, it took that three three goals from Arsenal in the first half to sort of, for Conte to understand, okay, it's not working. I need to go to a system that, which I know. And then I think the rest is history, right? So, <coughs> I think that's, that's how... I think Conte will get rid of some of these players. Um, he's not got the players that will play the system he wants, and it's being yeah, shown. So we'll see uh, how this um, legend of a coach from Spartak uh, performs in Man United <laughs> when he comes. Uh, really looking maybe forward maybe to it. Maybe he's good though, because I mean, from what I read, he seems super impressive. But I, well, I have not heard so much. Exactly. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, when, when there was rumours about uh, Brendan going to United, I never saw Ralph's name being mentioned as a possible replacement for Brendan. Uh, I saw Lampard <laughs> and what have you. But anyway. No, but uh, apparently Chelsea was interested in him and he rejected. And I think Chelsea's got a, b a better coach in Conte. Coach, though, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, not Conte, yeah. in uh, Tuchel. Sorry, he's really turned it around. But uh, Tottenham, I think, have got a good coach in Conte. I think United missed out on that and everybody knows that. 
Um, just before we finish, I just want to uh, ask your thoughts, and you probably know about this gentleman a lot, lot more than me, but um, the passing away of uh, Novi Kapadia, um, uh, a legend from what I've read in football journalism in India, uh, really sad uh, to lose um, the gentleman. Any thoughts on the impact he had on journalism and football? Oh, immense, immense. I think sort of uh, the pioneer for Indian football journalism and not just journalism. So when I was writing my thesis in 2014-15 uh, about football, whatever literature I could find in academia, it's all Kapadia. So, you know, then it was written in Kapadia, so I was not really figuring it out. And then I realized it's the same Novi that who, whose voice have been sort of bringing. He's, I think, I think it's best known as a commentator. He's a voice of Indian football. I think watching a match in Novi's voice was always different. I know we've, we've had a few laughs because he has this tendency to, you know, give out the most bizarre history just because it's coming out of his head. I don't think even the comp, you know, the comms team prepared it for him. It's just like, he's got it there. Yeah, he's got it there. But what a, uh, I think I've met Manovi as well. So, oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So what I liked about him was he was like your favorite uncle. And this is a person who you've not met before. There's so much warmth about him. He embraces your idea. He considers you as a, uh, you know, valuable journalist or like a great part of the Indian football ecosystem. He never thought of you as some, someone inferior to you. So the first time I met him was uh, at uh, Minerva's uh, program where he sort of announced a tie with uh, Gladback back then. Uh, so he had come to compare and anchor the event, you know. And Ranjit Bajaj was very particular that it had to be Novi because nobody else could do it like mm -hmm. it. So we all took that opportunity to meet Novi that day. He shared the number. And I still remember sending him a couple of videos and articles that I'd written earlier about the early days of Kalpans. And he was very, he shared it on his social media. Oh, wow. A very super sweet guy. And I, I think um, I was part of a Twitter space where people remembered and sort of, like immediately up, uh, after his uh, passing away, and every, like literally everybody had say had to say nice things about him. It was not like Novi was the paramount of journalism. Novi was everybody wanted to say about how lovely a person he was. I think I think that's true testimony to uh, Novi sir in terms of he, he was there. I mean, he was that he was that uncle. He was that brother. He was he was everything you you could expect. And uh, I think. Uh, I was talking to another a friend, uh, a journalist himself. So he was like, it's clear that especially in Calcutta, a lot of people were inspired by Novi to take up this profession because everybody wanted to be a Novi. So big, big, big name in Indian football. I'm, I'm happy that we are talking about him. I'm happy that uh, um, I, I've heard that uh, during, I mean, towards his latter status, I think he was he had a lonely time. And uh, But um, wherever he is, I think he'll be, happy that we're all remembering him as a as a great guy beyond everything else I think he's a great human being so uh, well said well said and you were lucky enough to meet him and like I said I was just reading about his passing through various articles and messages and it came across that he was extremely loved and well respected and associated with the sport so um, I, have the, I have his book right in front of me actually this is a sort of a very famous book that is written and oh wow! This is sort of like a Bible for Indian football, where it's sort of like the many lives of Indian football. 
Yeah, this is. Uh, I I don't know if you'll get it in the UK, but it's it's a sort of a must-have for all Indian football lovers. Fantastic, brilliant, good way to end the show. Um, and you know what you said was really really nice and uh, just <coughs> concurred with what I read as well. So a big big loss uh, for journalism and the sport. Um, but. Uh, good to be back on on the road, as it were, uh, with the football show. You've got a really big day ahead of you with the game that you were taking part in, and you've got the Blasters, and you've got Chelsea. So, and uh, I'm off I'm to the back as well because I've got to train early morning. Of course, you're going to Calcutta. So, um, hopefully, uh, you have a good day and a really good time in Calcutta. So, I'm looking forward to your videos. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, just go and have a couple of beers just to warm up. It's absolutely freezing here. Um, so oh, it's, it's back to being cold. Of course, it's close to December. It snowed yesterday, but thankfully that all went. Uh, but it's, it's, I think, two at the moment, and it's the daytime. So It's been it's been just rains here, though. Our rainy season hasn't stopped. It's, it's almost December. It's just rains. Yeah, it's strange. When I was in Gujarat, it rained for a day, and this time, yeah, it never rains. Um, yeah. But... There you go. The Global warming. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. As always, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoy the conversation. Uh, Made my Sunday. And uh, we'll hopefully uh, catch and up. Thank next... you, Shopnam. Thank you, Shopnam. Now I'm going to get in touch with him and uh, get him on the yeah. show next week. All right, my friend. You take care and have a brilliant Bye. weekend. Bye-bye.